0: That's Moto Bunny and Killing Me is the tune. That's brand new music uh, from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, it is, Gary. <laughs> uh, local band? A local band, yeah, absolutely. And not only is it a local band, but they actually have like like three bands. This band Because it's Moto Bunny is derived from a band called the Love Me Nots, who also created a band called um, Zero Zero. Okay. So they have all three different bands, but it's like the same people.
1: You know what's crazy is that years ago, when I used to do audience warm-up, when I used to work on Carson Daly, right. his show back in L.A. years ago, we would have these bands on that had never been on TV before, and they would come on, and you wouldn't know who they were, and you would see the, the run sheet for the day, and you would see that it was Panic! at the Disco or Fall Out Boy or Adele or Colby Calais, and you're like, who are these people? And then literally like six months later, they would just blow up. It was crazy. I mean, it was it was so cool to just see kind of the early phase of their career. And, you know, Carson was great in, in terms of, like, helping those people springboard to the next level. Like, cause he was such a big music fan right. that he would jump them and give them their first. I remember Colby Calais. I remember she was from L.A. or maybe from San Francisco. And she came down. Her whole family was there to, to see the show and watch her debut. And it was just really, really cool that, you know, he gave her the first break. And I got to see a lot of these people before they made it big. Yeah, that's really
0: neat. it's, it's what I, we do here on this show, Going Global with Gas.
1: Man, <laughs> like that. Wait, that
0: was my entrance. There he is, well, yes. Well, I,
1: I tried setting up a great story about me, and then, of course, you have to piggyback on, hey, this is what I do. It's like, well, what about me? I mean, maybe introduce me have like I mean, well, gee, I mean,
0: people. I was I mean, going to get there. I was going to get there. Uh, you kind of jumped in a little early there, buddy. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I got a lot of credits. No, it's fine. I make a lot of money. <laughs> uh, comedian Gary Cannon is <laughs> with me right now. Uh, this is this, uh, you know, this show we do music, comedy and yeah. life. So today we're going to do comedy because uh, you are a very funny comedian and I'm glad you're here with us today. Uh, you've been on the show before with me when I was doing radio. Yeah. Uh, 93 years nine K- ago. W- yeah. KWSS. Uh, yep. And it was such a ton of fun. And every time you're in town, I just enjoy your shows. How long have we we Known each other for what do you think? <sighs> Probably about four years now. I would think four 2010, years? maybe 2009. maybe even a little bit longer than yeah, that. Yeah, maybe around there. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. And uh, you know, we're gonna have comedian Brian Ritchie in with us a little bit later on. He's on his way. Um, last night we were over at the stand up live comedy show over there in downtown Phoenix. Yeah, and you actually lobbied to get me on. I got I'm so that's so cool of you. Thank you.
1: Well, first of all, I've never I, we've known each other for a long time, right? And I know that you do stand up, and I've never seen you do stand up before, so. I'm, Brian and I are working this weekend with John Lovitz at Stand Up Live in downtown Phoenix, and and John just did the first show, but wasn't doing the second show, so they gave Brian. So funny how comedy works. Like first show he's opening, right, and second show he's headlining. So it goes <laughs> from doing ten minutes and making fifty dollars to doing like an hour and making right. you know triple the money or whatever that is. But uh, I knew it was I knew it was Brian show, and I was like, hey, you know, it, it's so loose. the, the, the late show. Let's have you do some time because I've never seen you before. I knew it was going to be a great crowd, and it was a blast, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: I had a great time. It was so much fun, man.
1: And you really killed it. I mean, this is no joke because it was funny because the audience was really chatty and kind of all over the board. And like
0: you went up after Tim, who nailed it. And uh, it was really a lot of fun. Yeah, I had, you know, for me, it's, you know, I'm I'm still kind of on that, that. climb up and trying to figure out who i am on stage you know trying to figure out my personality how i can deliver my material the best i can do right and last night was just one of those uh, a culmination of of everything i've been doing up to this time to really get on stage and feel so comfortable up there so i'm still new in it you know in relative eyes but in in in, uh for last night i just felt it was great it was just a good combination it was funny because
1: you said that you told me off air that you did that show the month before and it was this great 25 minute set and yet you forgot to record it i didn't the the people who are yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. right, 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 that's always the case, right?
0: You know, uh, it was it was over at a uh, recording studio that has, that's for students. They can uh, get up, you know, they can pay their money and learn the trade of how to be an audio engineer. And so they bring in once a year all this huge equipment, like a million dollars worth of equipment, like they're putting on this big huge show, and it's all for the students. So they have video cameras, large speakers, they had uh, video screens. I mean, that everything it was it was macked out. It was awesome, and. From what I understand, they forgot to press record. <laughs> isn't that
1: crazy? I mean, you would expect that, like, of a different kind of group. But, like, that's that's what they... That's, that's what their they do. Gig, right. right? <laughs> and the fact that they're forgetting, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so... It's so crazy that yeah. that little detail... Was overlooked by somebody
0: that little, and that's like one of the most important details. Yeah, you know, you think the checklist would be like handy. Is
1: like All now right, record, and <laughs> now the guy that forgot to record you is a twirling a sign for Liberty Income Tax <laughs> yeah, because problem. he should have done. Because we talked about this, there's so many yeah. we, I, and I know we're gonna talk about this later. But like, it's so funny. I, I know that you and Brian do, you know, the restaurant stuff, and it's so funny to me. We talked about this off air about how people just don't take ownership of their job. I mean, listen, I've had lousy jobs, but I've still put in 110% most of the time. You know what I mean? So you go to the, get these gigs, and you're like, wow, I can't believe that service is bad. And it, it, It's beyond me, and that's why I used to love your segment when you would go in and, and review these restaurants yeah. because it, you would have the, the servers call you sometimes, right? Yep.
0: If, yeah. We, what we would do is uh, Brian Ritchie, who's going to be joining us a little bit later on, me and him did this segment on the radio show called Serving Stories and Customer Tips about the restaurant industry. So we'd go in. Our, our deal was to get better service for bigger tips. So we wanted to educate the uh, servers and also educate the diners, you know, on how to eat out. It's great. <laughs> yeah, so great. Right. So we'd go out there and get our service done, and we'd leave a note behind that says, "You've been gassed. Your service will be will be reviewed tonight on the radio call in." And yeah, so we had uh, a Chili's uh, waitress call us up. And then nobody else was calling us, so we ended up calling this, the uh, restaurants. Oh, interesting, and, okay. And asking them. So what we do is we're like, all right, let me skip, is Mike there? You're like, yeah, this is Mike. I'm like, this is, uh, we, we ate there earlier, we left a note. Oh, that's you guys, man, if that was a joke, you know? I don't know what to think about that, you know, because this big note we left on the would pa- table. Would
1: people call you, like, l- let's say you gave them a bad review, uh-huh. would they call you and just start complaining all the time, like, hey, that's, you know, uh, this, that, and the other thing. I mean, I think people are are obviously nicer if you leave a better tip with a nice note, but I think obviously people become resistant when you are unhappy with everything.
0: Well, you know, uh, we always left a good tip. And that was important regardless, regardless, because okay. if we're going to rip on you, at least did we treat, did you treat, did we treat you well? Yeah, we, you treat us well. It's but good.
1: You won't. Okay. But aside from that, like, let's say you were to go in, like, what's your rule going to a restaurant, right? Service isn't that great. Right. But you want to make sure maybe, maybe here's, here's my thing. I'm sure you agree with this. If the kitchen's backed up, or whatever, like, I don't, if, if there's a problem, that's all I want them to do is acknowledge it. Like, Hey, listen, sorry, right, this is going on. Uh, that, that's all I want them to be. I just uh, accountability huge, yeah, right? Yeah. But when they don't acknowledge anything, no apology, <laughs> no nothing. That's the issue. So let's say you go in, no apology, no nothing. What is your standard tip, right? You're out on a date. You, right. you look like a Red Robin kind of guy. <laughs> you you go there like what? What would you tip if the service wasn't that great?
0: You know, I, min- obviously minimum fifteen. I'd always I wouldn't go lower than fifteen percent. Okay. Eighteen um, percent is kind of the new fifteen. If you want to go that route, so maybe even 18%, depending on how it is. I don't reward bad service. I don't go above and beyond and, and tip extra just because it's the karma thing. Oh, I, right. Well, but I, if I tip at least the minimum of what I think is acceptable, I'll just tip the minimum. But that, will, That's a statement, I think. But
1: will you make a note? Like, let, let's say you're not doing the radio show. Will you right. make a note like, hey, listen, this is why – because I think that's uh, – most no. people won't do it. I don't do no. it, but I think – I. I 'Cause then you make then then when they get the tip they're just like, Oh, that guy was a cheap ass. Right. But I think if you maybe point it out, you know, maybe that's the issue too. Like that helps. Th- that's them.
0: a touchy thing, you know, for a customer you know, we we would have tipped you better if you had done this instead. Is that right. what you're kinda of saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give them like a well, you know, you you know then you talk about accountability in the restaurant industry, you're not gonna find it. it, never. it talk about passing the buck along. I mean, it, nine times out of ten it's the server's fault, but that gets passed down, well the kitchen this. Right. Or something happened back there. You know, it's always never I fucked up. You know, it's always somebody else.
1: here's what I hate. It's our government. The the worst (laughs) issue is the, the 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 thing I hate is you go into a restaurant right before closing and they just ignore you cuz they're cleaning yes. up and, and and it's like listen like if you guys wanted to close at 8:30 close at 8:30 right. like don't you know don't start your cleanup at 8:30 and do that till 9 cuz to me I always think as long as you're in there before it closes but then they're always cleaning up and no, it's a big pain in the ass
0: there's rules to that there's there's two rules to when you go into a restaurant if it's a half an hour before they close if they're empty don't eat there Right. You know, may, maybe half an hour is okay, I guess. But if it's like, you know, 15, 20 minutes till closing time, I wouldn't go in. I wouldn't eat there. If it's slow, they're cleaning up. They're ready to get out of there. Right. If, if it's busy, yeah, by all means, it's, it's all good because they're they're staying another couple hours afterwards. Yeah. So that's okay. It's acceptable. But to walk into a restaurant where it's empty and bring in a party, it's like, you know, find somewhere else to eat. Right. It's right. just the way it is. You know? I agree
1: with that. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to bring in 85 people at five to nine. I get that. Right. Yeah, but But it is funny. Like, I always see... It's it's anything. They start closing down at eight thirty when you guys are still technically open for half an hour. Right. You know what I mean? So that. That kind of frustrating But I, I remembered you guys doing that segment. I really yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. We'll,
0: and we'll get into it a little bit later on. Oh, when Brian shows up, we'll, we'll do our – because the Serving Stories and Customer Tips is what it used to be called. We call it Diner's Ed now, and okay. I do it every Tuesday on my radio show at 93.9 FM. It's kwss.org called Driving with Gas. So that's something – a little cheap plug for you guys out there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, And uh, we have comedian Gary Cannon with us right now. And last night over at Stand Up Live and this weekend as well. And you are just a traveling comedian, man. You are all over the place. You travel the world. You've worked for the troops, which they Yeah,
1: yeah, it was great. I mean, you know, not so much now. I mean, I I used to be on the road a lot when I used to work with guys like Mitch Fatale and and Ralphie May. I used to work a lot on the road. Not as much now because I'm in town... In LA more because I do a lot of audience warm up for TV shows. Yeah, and, I want to talk know. about
0: that too. Yeah, yeah, so
1: so you know I'm currently working on a show called Sullivan and Son, which is with Steve Byrne. He's a uh, former New York City lawyer that moves back to Pittsburgh and takes over his family bar, kind of like a Cheers esque type show. Right. Um. So that keeps me in town because it's a great gig. Uh. It's a lot of fun. But this summer, the guys from the show will head out and do a big tour to promote the show right, and I, I go that. with them that's and host it and it's a lot of fun so that'll start up kind of like mid-July once we wrap but you know, I still miss doing the road that's kind of why I still come back and try to jump out and, you know because you get rusty when you don't do stand-up for an extended period of time and you know I really still love doing stand-up
0: well what's the difference I mean like as far as warming up a crowd now I've been to a couple of uh, show tapings and you know I've seen what you do at well you know someone else does instead, right but so I, I get an idea of, of what you do um how much of that Is your stand-up, because you are very – when you do your stand-up, you're in in the crowd. You're in their face. You're you're interacting with them a lot. So I can't see that being very much different.
1: Well, you know, I think what people don't realize, and a lot of comics who live in L.A. really want to get in a warm-up because it's a good gig. You're in town. You're not on the road flying to Columbus, Ohio and making $40. Like, Hmm. it's a good financial gig in town. Right. The problem is stand-up and warm-up are two different platforms. I mean, warm-up really is – You know, cheerleading. I mean, it really is kind of like a lot of energy, a lot of like, hey, guys, this is what we need to do. It's not a lot of just stand-up jokes where you're doing a routine in front of 300 people. And there's also a difference, too, between doing warm-up on a talk show, like a late-night talk show where you're doing 15 minutes. Before the show starts, you bring out the band, you bring out the host. Then you're done. That's a great gig. But doing – Warm up on a sitcom where people don't realize that's a three, four, five hour night of starting and stopping, starting and stopping. And you're jumping in like every two minutes while they're resetting, camera positioning, rewriting stuff. And like those are the little intricacies that you got to know when and where to jump in, how to do it. Like, I mean, that's more of a kind of a a different skill set compared to a, a late-night show where you're just doing 15 minutes up front and getting yeah. out of there.
0: Well, I, I've seen Don Barris so, uh, do uh, Jimmy sure. Kimmel. He's amazing. He's right. a very funny guy. Do you know? Do you, are you familiar with him? Does everybody know each other? Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, the warm-up world is a really small community. There might be, like, 12 guys that do it. I mean, it's a very small number. Really? I mean, 12 guys in L.A., then a, a small handful of people that do it in New York. It's just not as many shows yeah. tape in New York. But uh, it's a great gig. I mean, like – you know, I used to work on Carson Day, like I was telling right. you earlier, yeah. and it was great. It was it was one of my first full-time warm-up gigs ever, and I worked two days a week. We take two shows Monday, two shows Wednesday, and it was just this great financial gig that allowed me to still go out on the road on the right. weekends. I didn't also, know
0: his was a live audience. Yeah, not now. No, not right. Right, right. Now, he changed
1: not. it. It's more – he does more of a kind of a guerrilla style right. interviewing bands and like right. – you know, but, but – uh, he used to come out and do a monologue and, you know, do comedy pieces. And I think he realized down the road that he didn't want to do stand-up. I mean, and do it's comedy. It's not his bag, show. man. That's not his bag. His bag right. is The Voice, his radio show. Interviewing
0: the bands. Interviewing the bands. Right. That's
1: his strong suit. So I think he realized one day, like, why am I doing these kind of weird comedy pieces? I'm going to leave that to Fallon and Conan and all those right, guys. right. So once that kind of happened... I slowly edged out of there. Like they didn't need me anymore. because They didn't sure. have a studio audience anymore.
0: Right. So, what are the, some of the shows you uh, have worked for?
1: Wow, I mean, like I Carson, uh, my my first gig ever doing warm up was for Craig Kilborn. First gig ever, right? I like, I like, I do lot. too. Yeah. I, you know, I, I still, you know, he was the same guy on camera as he was off camera. You know, he's kind of that guy. Okay. Um, then he left. I worked at Ferguson, and then Ferguson uh, wanted a full time guy, somebody who could do Monday through Friday, and I couldn't do it because I then got a full-time gig at Carson Daily. Like, oh, that was just a time. better gig. Yeah, yeah. So I left that show, stayed at Carson for, like, four years, and then really, I, for a warm-up, the hardest thing is getting your first gig. It's just really hard. It's hard to kind of break into it um, because it's a small network of people. Right. A lot of the same producers, they jump from show to show to show. But from Carson, I ended up doing Dancing with the Stars, America's Got Talent, uh, the George Lopez show, uh I mean, Chelsea these are lately. big crowds. I mean, like yeah. for Dancing
0: with the Stars, I mean, I know that crowd. It's a big audience, 500 it's a big people. Room. So what do, what do you do with that? Like as far as what, like like a, like a studio show for a, a TV program, right? It's a little more condensed. Everyone's tight, and you got a couple racks of uh, upstairs or seats that people sit right. in. Everyone's contained, whereas a uh, bigger studio, people all around you, aren't they? And, and well, if the you stars? look at
1: Dancing with the Stars, I mean, that's a that's a three tiered audience. Yeah, There's right. like lower, middle, and then a, a balcony. And I will say, people have always asked me like, what was my least favorite show to work. On and no doubt it was that one. I mean, because why is that? The, the, too many egos on the show, just a lot of people. The kiss- that's behind
0: the scenes you're talking about. Yes. Or you're talking about- so what- yes, okay.
1: So the kiss of death for a warm up is when you walk into a show and you're about to go do your thing, and they give you an earpiece. They give you like an IFB, like that uh-huh. you put in your your ear, so you can hear what the director is saying. Right. Because when you have an earpiece in, as you're trying to talk to the audience, and you're hearing stuff in your ear. It throws off your balance. So when you have an earpiece in, the director will be yelling, "We need more applause. We need more this. We need more that." The the problem with Dancing with the Stars, is if you watch that show, the true fans of that show, the real rabid Dancing with the Stars fans, are up in the balcony. They're they're up on the third level. The celebrities, the families, the the the, the friends and families of the dancers, right. all of the VIPs are in the front row, and 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 they're the worst because. They're just creating such negative energy. Right. And you, I just remember. Because they, well,
0: they, they don't want they, they they don't to don't be bothered care. by you. right? They don't
1: care. Like, I just remember one time, like, I in, in my earpiece, the guy was like, uh, hey, you, you, you got to get him going in the front row. Like, you got to do a better job. And I was like, yeah, well, Kim Kardashian is texting on her phone. Like, you go tell her. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, I'm not. They didn't care. They didn't care. Right. And so that was the hardest show to do. The, the only good thing about that show it was live. So you were in and out of there in two hours, regardless of. Any problems they were having was well, that
0: to come back in and after like every,
1: time. So, every you, time so you would jump out onto the dance floor every time there was a commercial break and get a microphone like hey guys you having a good time blah blah, blah. I'd throw out t-shirts whatever right. uh, but it was the most stressful gig I I literally would leave that show a, a, and and couldn't wait the to exhausted. get to the parking lot quick enough I mean but then there are some shows that are a ton you of you don't do work that show on. anymore no or? no no that that show's gone through. Tons of warm up people like they can't they, they, they can't seem to find the fit of what they're looking for. Do and,
0: they need that? I mean, in a sense, I mean, yeah, I think they do. Yeah. I mean The
1: truth is, that's one of those shows now. Like, I feel like I've kind of reached a point in my career where if they were to call me hand to God, I would I would turn it down. Yeah. I just I, I don't need the aggravation anymore. As I get older, I don't need, you know, the headache of it. I, I wouldn't you know, I, I wouldn't even bother going in there it's just not worth it like other shows are great like like america's got talent was a hard show to do but they were super nice like super gracious and took great care of you and this that and the other thing like and that's
0: a big theater too right huge like i
1: I did i didn't do the, the live shows but i did i went out on the road when they did the audition cities okay so we went to seattle minneapolis new york houston uh la like I did six different cities over, like, four weeks. So they'll fly you out. You stay at these great hotels. They give you a great per diem per day. It really is an awesome gig. Hard, but they never once were like, hey, I mean, why is this... All? Like, almost like Carson Daly. That's why I love working at Carson. Like, there were times where the crowd stunk. I mean, they were bad, but, like, right. he never once complained.
0: Never. Even for the, uh, like, uh, um, the, what was it? America's Got Talent. I mean, you know, what you know, going out and doing these different cities these aren't live shows, so right. th- these are, I'm sure, long- are, are they taping at all? Or- yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, how so, does that-
1: so it's basically, you're going into these theaters of like 1,500 people. Right. It's all age groups, from 8-year-olds right. to 80-year-olds, right. right? And what they're doing is they're, they're taping, they're they're getting they're going through all the auditions, you know what I mean, of like right. who then they're going to bring to the finals. Yeah. And I mean, you- the problem is you're literally just jumping out there between every act. Oh, wow. Like every act, you know what I mean? So that was a problem, because there were also times where you didn't know if you were going to be Out there for two minutes because it was like a singer, then going to a singer, it was boom, boom, boom. Or a singer would get done. It's like, hey, now we're setting up this Cirque du Soleil show for the next guy. Now you're out there for like 20 minutes. You're like, you know, guys, like it really, I I used to have a trick in order to win the audience over. And it was, it was like, it was the trick that always worked. And Dancing with the Stars was the only place that told me to not do it. I would go out there and I'd be like, hey, guys. For my 10 best audience members, I have backstage passes for you guys. And these people went crazy. Now, I meanwhile, well, there's no backstage anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And inevitably, at the end of the show, people were always like, Who on the backstage? Can I get back? And, like, there were nothing. I mean, right. it was all like, literally, the end of the show came and I ran the hell out because <laughs> I didn't want to deal with the audience anymore. So, but it worked. It worked every time, and like, if especially (laughs) with the stars, if you're goosing the audience, be like, "I got ten backstage passes. Come to our after party. There's no after party. There's no nothing." But if if it's what I needed to do to get the audience on board, it was what it was. You know what I mean?
0: That's hilarious. Yeah, we're going to dive more into the world of comedy. This is comedy. Just isn't stand up on a stage in a big city. This is a little bit of the uh, the different avenues of comedy that we're. uh, You know, it was a great show to work
1: on. Remember when George Lopez had his late night show, Lopez Tonight. Easily one of my favorite gigs. You could go out there... Do stand up, be funny. He had all rabid fans that were out there on his show. Right, uh, he was a, a good guy. More uh, of a comedy audience, though. Comedy, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. They were a little more right. savvy, but they were like four hundred screaming fans waiting to see him. I mean, that was a lot of fun. It's, yeah,
0: I mean, I, yeah. It's almost like a lead-in for you to be, make it easier for you, as opposed to some other TV shows where they just pull people off the street to be part of the audience.
1: Well, I mean, that's most shows. Right. I mean, That's because you know the truth is there's only a handful of shows in LA, and New York that people want to go see. It's right. whether it's Ellen, Two and a half man big bang theory like those are impossible to get tickets for so most of these other shows the other 90 percent, they have to they bring to in, in church groups college groups right. rehab groups i mean they really <laughs> they really do that they're making ten dollars to, to be there for the day i mean there are some shows where i walk into and like guys are literally pulling up their pants as right. they walk in and like buckling <laughs> it, and like you're like wow they, they you know face tattoos you're like we're going to spend the next four hours together. You're like, holy shit. Like, just like, it, it's, it's a tough challenge.
0: I, I'm sure it is, man. And we'll, we'll dive into that uh, a little bit later on, too. We're here at uh, 3 o'clock p.m. Pacific time on the voiceamerica.com. Variety channel. You're going global with gas. Man. That's Matt, the intern, who was late today, by the way. Yeah, yeah but like a couple minutes. I told you 1230. I know, but I was grabbing music. All right. He's and, totally high. <laughs> He's high. He's, He's totally probably high. Like hungover. what did you do last night, Matt? Uh, I went to Through the Roots, New Kingston, and the Steppas. The Steppas are from Hawaii. New Kingston was from New York, and uh, Through the Roots from san diego if they weren't heading to yuma today i would have tried to get him in here but that's why i had to grab the music because all right on man he gave it to me and i was excited to play it because they're a really good reggae band they got a really cool backstory that i can share so all right um well cool we'll We'll do that a little bit later yeah we'll do that a little bit later on we're gonna play some drug code we'll do some porno music or not which by the way i have some soap or porn for you matt what? Yes, I have soap or porn today. Finally. I know, finally, right? I asked Maybe, you for it last week. <laughs> and uh, Brian Ritchie is going to join us here when we come back, and we're going to do some uh, serving stories and customer tips, uh, a.k.a. Diners Ed, which I know Gary was uh, chatting about that earlier. You totally missed it, Brian. <laughs> All right, let's play some tunes. It's the Wiley Ones, and we're going to get these guys in very soon. This one's called "Killer With Love. And we'll be back. It's a two-shot song here. Two-song shot. <laughs> <Something> like <that. laughs> Going global with
1: Gas Man.
0: All right, we'll be back.